Welcome to the second season of Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. This is a podcast for women and men that want to keep or recover their mental and physical resilience despite all the challenges of our modern society. Every season, professionals of all fields related to stress and health will share their knowledge with you. You will also find valuable free information on www.escapeburnoutsociety.com. So stay tuned. This is your host, Gabriela Guzman. Welcome to Escape from the Burnout Society. My name is Gabriela Guzman. I am your host, and today my guest is Christian Beidvater. Christian is a certified CSR coach. This is the abbreviation of Chronic Stress Reversal Coach. He is a mindfulness and self-compassion trainer as well. He first graduated as a social psychologist and after traveling by bike from the Netherlands to India, he decided to become a mindfulness trainer. His passion for traveling took him also to Nepal. Both trips changed his view of the world. He learned different meditation techniques and practiced yoga. Christian's knowledge and experience extends also to the field of sports. He is a running instructor and a passionate runner. He has participated in several triathlons and engages regularly in other physical activities. At this moment, he is a mindfulness counselor and gives one-on-one coaching and online training to groups. His practice is in the south of Amsterdam, where he also lives at the moment. So, Christian, welcome. You are very welcome in this lovely evening. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Nice to be here. (laughs) Well, Christian, I think we have uh, many topics to talk about um, related to mindfulness, but I think that one of the first things people would like to know is what is the origin of mindfulness since uh well it's it's just like a very common word um like oh you have to be mindful about this mindful about that but i think Mm -hmm. that doesn't really have to do something with what really mindfulness is so if you would like to explain us how did it how did it started and what it come well how comes that it's actually so um a kind of hype yeah yeah, I think the, uh, like five years ago, maybe a little bit longer, it's, especially in the Netherlands, it became a really big hype. But um, the mindfulness as I teach it, it's already this, this uh, eight-week course is already running for more than 40 years now. Um, but if you, yeah, the origin of mindfulness is even further back, uh, like two and a half thousand years ago uh, with um, uh, the Buddhism there, because mindfulness is a, a, a big part of Buddhism. And that's where uh, for, uh, 40 years ago, uh, Jon Kabat-Zinn took some techniques from and built it into a eight week course, which was more like a psychology, uh, more based on psychology and the, um, yeah, the, the techniques of the uh, mindfulness meditation from Buddhism. And, those came together so the east and the west in this one eight-week program um, in what they called the, the stress clinic in, uh, uh, in uh, uh, university hospital in massachusetts so i think in uh, the the year i was born the first uh, mindfulness course was uh, taught there like in 1979 and um, 
but mindfulness is already practiced for like two and a half thousand years. So that's uh, it's a very important uh, part of the Buddhist practice. So it's not uh, it's not something more new, but I think the the way um, uh, the the West uh, took it is 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 is. Uh, it's different because it's more secular. It's more uh, part of uh, psychology than it is of uh, like, um, uh, yeah, the Buddhist practice, which is, is much, much wider. That uh, contains so many more things than only mindfulness, but mindfulness is one part of uh, the practice. Yeah. So it was born in, with uh, from the need of... Uh, um, something to well cure help uh, overcome stress do you think it comes really from stress uh, yeah well that's interesting they call it uh, in this hospital in massachusetts they call it the stress clinic um but uh, john kabat sin um first uh, came up with this program for people who suffered from chronic pain and the stress they uh, experienced from chronic pain and uh, well, the hospital couldn't help those people anymore because they were um, they finished their treatment and there was nothing they could do. Yeah, they could give them like painkillers and send them home, and but there was no other treatment anymore, uh, like chronic back pain and chronic headaches and, and things like that. And John Kabat-Zinn, who was working in this hospital as a microbiologist, he thought. Uh, um, I might have something for these people. I, uh, he had a lot of experience with uh, uh, meditation and yoga, and he came up with this eight-week uh, program. And um, well, that worked really well. And in the years, they did, did a lot of research, and it uh, started to grow. And then they found out that it wasn't only helpful for people with uh, chronic pain, but also with people with different kinds of stress, uh, uh, anxiety, um, depression, uh, and and also it was very helpful for just people without any uh, um, complaints or problems. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting to think that actually being mindful about your pain could help you. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really wonderful. But what they found is that if you change your relationship with the pain you experience, um, your experience of the pain will change as well. And uh, what uh, John Kabat-Zinn was teaching the, the people who came to the, in this program was uh, not to fight uh, with their pain anymore, not to resist, but to accept uh, the pain as uh, the experience in the moment. Just going with the awareness towards the sensation of pain and just let it be without, yeah. Uh, resisting without fighting without trying uh, to get a get away from it but just going towards it and just embrace it as it is because well they uh, with chronic pain there is just pain you can't run away from it and uh, with the acceptance and the spaciousness which uh, in this experience of yeah of the meditations they thought were they, they practiced um, people experience a lot of uh, space around their pain and the pain wasn't like the whole life anymore. They, they could experience pain, but they could also say, well, there's much more in my life and I can do much more. And with this, um, the people even noticed that the pain became like less uh, uh, prominent uh, in their lives. So the, even the experience of pain lessened and that's, 
they didn't really expect that at first, but uh, yeah, well, just by accepting your pain, the pain seems to uh, yeah get less, and for some people even disappeared. And that's uh, and then because it worked so well, people uh, after eight weeks you could see a really big change, and then a lot of uh, they, they really wanted to know how that worked. So because it was first done in the university, they did a lot of research and. Uh, and now there's so many articles written about uh, mindfulness that uh, it's really accepted also in the more scientific world. And they do a lot of uh, neuroscience uh, on, on mindfulness as well. They put people in scanners and see how their brains uh, change after eight weeks of practice. And uh, yeah, even in science is really booming now. It's, uh, wow. <clears throat> so that's why it got uh, it became such a hype. <laughs> yeah, I think that that helped. Yeah, and even uh, well because um, yeah, in the Netherlands um, uh, you need a um, evidence based practice to uh, if if you if you want to um, as as a, a therapist you want to use a program then it has to be evidence based so with all the research it became evidence based and then all the psychologists even in the regular medicine they could use this program so and then it got really known and because at first i think in the netherlands it, it was about 15 20 years ago when mindfulness started and mostly it were the psychotherapists who were uh, teaching mindfulness and then it became more and more popular and now a lot of yoga teachers and uh, coaches and people like that also started uh, uh, to teach uh, mindfulness and now there are a lot of mindfulness teachers a lot of different kinds of mindfulness teachers uh, still some psychologists and also people from different kind of backgrounds also people more from the, the Buddhist background, people more from the, the yoga, the coaching, more from business and uh, from psychology. It's, it's interesting how it developed. Oh, it's very broad indeed. Very broad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, tell me, uh, Christian, because, um, well, you, you traveled uh, some years ago to Nepal and you went to India. Tell, mm -hmm. tell me about your experience there. Yeah, the first time I went to India, uh, that was during my studies. Uh, I think after my second or after my second year of psychology, I uh, thought to take a year off, and I already practiced some meditation. I was interested in yoga and meditation, and was didn't really know where to to to, uh, to look. So I thought, well, India, that's the place to go. So I went for about nine months. Uh, to India, just uh, put my studies on a hold, and then I practice a lot of yoga and a lot of meditation, uh, also meditation retreats. And I kind of was kind of hopping from uh, a yoga ashram to a meditation retreat, into another yoga ashram, into a meditation retreat, and I did, I think, like three or four retreats. And I stayed in uh, yoga ashrams for quite a long time, just practicing every day. And that's really started my 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 own practice um, in meditation, not so much in mindfulness, but uh, more like the the insight meditation, which uh, mindfulness is as well. But for me, the mindfulness came uh, years later. Okay, and what did you discover about yourself? 
Um, yeah, good question. <laughs> what did I discover? Well, a lot. Um, and it's, I still do. Uh, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Um, well, with, with, my, with meditation, you, you just notice all the things you do in uh, on a, like an automatic pilot, uh, like the, the thought patterns, uh, positive, negative thinking, um, react, reaction to um, things you can be worried about. You notice uh, like you, you sometimes just uh, go into like a mode of uh, trying to fix uh, things you're worried about and with meditation you, you you become aware of how these things go almost by itself and then you can yeah, uh, you can step back and see yourself doing it and then if it's not really helpful then you can change it so what I maybe at first noticed um, well not I took a few years but that I was pretty um, um, how do you say I was I had a really quite a strong inner critic uh, and I was kind of harsh for myself also in meditation and during the years it became more kinder and kinder and more open and accepting and uh, I think the, the compassion and the, uh, the kindness really came into the meditation and, and in my life as well toward myself and uh, I think uh, also towards, towards uh, other people in the world. Uh, so that that's something I think changed a lot uh, during the years of meditation. That became it became much less um, uh, focused on getting somewhere, experience, experiencing things, but more uh, accepting of the, the experience I have in the moment. Because I think in India, the first my first time meditating a long time, I was really looking for a certain kind of experience. Uh, Especially in India, they, they talk a lot about enlightenment and a lot of really special kind of um, states you can go into if you meditate really, really hard and really deep. And I was really looking for that. And I was really frustrated as well because I didn't go into this enlightened state. I didn't become enlightened. So it was really annoying after so many retreats. I, thought, uh, I want uh, my money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so after a couple of years of meditating, I kept uh, practicing. Then, especially when I came in contact with, with mindfulness, then I, uh, the yeah, I became much much milder and much kinder towards myself, and it became the, the practice became a, like a gentle practice of just being uh, with, uh, yeah, the moment and the state you're in at the moment, without striving towards something else and working really hard and being frustrated, and, and I think that's also something which kind of um yeah um it, it, it's it, i found it in the rest of my life as well yeah where uh, so it became kinder to myself uh, with work with the things i wanted in sports and uh and that that helps it became my, my life became much easier that way so. yeah you're also <clears throat> a passionate runner and uh well it's passionate passionate sport guy actually yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was I was running when I was teaching. Now I I don't uh, run so so much anymore. But uh, I I ran a lot of marathons and triathlons, and I was also teaching mindfulness then. And people were often asking me, 
how does that combine running marathons and, and, and mindfulness? Because you, don't you go over your limits and is it bad for your, uh, for your body? And, but I really found the, the combination really, uh, um, uh, yeah, it fits really well, just exercising and even running long distances and then um, challenging yourself uh, is something which, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a part of just uh, noticing and, and mindfulness was really a, a nice part of it because I could um, really enjoy training and I wasn't only busy with the, the, the marathon, but I could only also uh, enjoy uh, just everyone because I was, uh, I, I, I was aware of the moment and, and every um, training was nice because I could, uh, it was just that was uh, the most important thing. It was not about the marathon and the time I wanted to, to achieve or, um, but the whole process was, uh, uh, was even more important. And that's something which I think uh, meditation and mindfulness teaches you as well. It's not about the result, but it's about the path towards uh, result. Yeah. Well, it's uh, kind of, um, um exactly the opposite of what we have learned i mean we are used to deliver and we have goals and i mean if you train for marathon and you are willing to run it under the three hours which was it's kind of dream of many runners mm -hmm. i mean you would really die if you run three hours two seconds <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah isn't it so did you is are you able to detach yourself from that um uh, somehow it, it's it's maybe I still was uh, striving towards this goal. I was uh, I had the goal of running like un, under three hours, and I was training for it. But it wasn't the most important thing, um, and because it wasn't the most important thing, I didn't experience so much stress, uh, and I could enjoy the process much more. Because during like in training for a marathon, uh, you get injuries, or you, you don't feel fit, or you can get ill sometimes. And you can I know runners who get really stressed if uh, if if the whole training uh, schedule gets messed up. Um, but well, yeah, you, you can't uh, control everything. So if you're just in the process and you you take it as it comes, and then you work towards your goal as it goes, and if sometimes you can't um, meet your goal, then well, uh, you, you just enjoy the way uh, towards it, and then you, next time is uh, is next time. And this way, yeah, I actually I, uh, most of the time I, I just enjoyed also the the training much more than the, than than the marathon itself. It was like. Uh, the, the yeah uh, you you work towards uh, this this day and it's really you 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 really dress up for it and you go for it and it's all very important but i think the whole training process was much uh, yeah it was much, much more important yeah well that's uh, they say that's the most uh, fun of it <laughs> yeah the most fun part of it yeah, but sometimes it's difficult because I know you know many people who just focus on the on the result. They 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 forget to enjoy the way towards it, and that's that's a pity. Especially if you then uh, something goes wrong and you don't reach uh, your goal, then yeah, you didn't even enjoy the way towards it. You don't have anything anymore. So yeah, yeah. I, I've seen people really. Um 
swearing after a, a, a race. Oh, yeah. you know? yeah. They were very angry because they didn't run what they wanted to run. And I mean, whatever. People you was were, were, were standing in the way or whatever accident happened. And they're really frustrated for the rest of the day or maybe for a week. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's only sport. So and did it did it succeed? I I, I thought you you ran under three hours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two thirty nine. Yeah. yeah, I mean you had enough time. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, can have yeah. you have enough time. Oh great, and now well, Christian, let's talk about the benefits. I mean now you you talk some some benefits of course for people who are in, engaged in uh, sports, and I think we might just have another talk another time only about mindfulness and sport. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. It's very Good interesting. One. Yeah. But tell me, what about the benefits for um, well daily life and especially for people with stress? Yeah, I think, uh, and that's the the, the program um, with Jungabet Sin started. It's called the Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction Course of uh, Training. It's actually training. Um, so it's it's all about uh, reducing stress. Um, by changing your relationship to the uh, things that give you stress or the experience of stress. And the interesting thing is that uh, it's often said that you don't uh, learn to uh, relax, but you learn to relax while you're uh, stressed. So you learn to relax with stress and uh, not get rid of stress because then um, it becomes really a big fight not to be stressed. But if you can relax in the moment there's stress, then uh, something changes. And usually the stress doesn't uh, stay so long. And, um, and sometimes uh, the, the stress disappears by itself without you trying to get uh, to get relaxed. But it's just um, being okay with in the moment with, with whatever comes. And that really helps. Um, by because if, if you're not, if we uh, are afraid of being stressed or we are, uh, really want something uh, going a certain way, or we don't want to feel uh, something, then we start um, working really hard to get uh, rid of a feeling or rid of a thought or uh, getting um, uh, a certain problem or situation the way we want it. And there are many things we can't control. So the moment we start to trying to control things we can't control, like our thoughts or our feelings, then we add another layer of stress on top of it. And mindfulness helps to just observe what's, what's happening in the moment without trying to change it in, in that moment and just see what do I need in this moment? What, what is uh, helpful now? And from this moment of stopping and not doing, uh, you can give a really healthy response to uh, a situation or uh, to your own feelings or to the thoughts running in your head. And um, which if you're not aware, and if you're just um, really reactive, then you might go into like uh, a fight or flight mode and trying to change it, trying to, uh, um, control it or uh, fighting it uh, because if you have a feeling of uh, of anger and, and you, um, you you think oh I shouldn't be angry or uh, then you even get more tensed up well uh, if you notice anger and you're 
in the state of, okay, I know this anger and I don't have to change this, uh, this feeling at this moment, then you start to notice that this, this feeling also dissipates by itself. And it saves you lots of energy um, by just noticing what's happening, stopping and then seeing, is this something which needs action or is it something which will pass by itself? And then you usually notice that most things will pass. And then from there, you can still uh, do the things you need to do. It's, it's not a really passive uh, uh, action. It's, it's really stopping, noticing, being, and from there, um, acting in a more wise way, I think. Could, it, could, it, could, it, I, could I say that it's more a kind of accepting and acknowledging than denying? Yeah, in the, it, is the, it is the act of accepting your experience in the moment. And which, well, well, when people talk about accepting and you, well, mindfulness about accepting, then they think you should accept uh, your situation or you should accept what's happening. But it's not about accepting what's happening or your situation you're in or like, if you have a job and it's really busy, you have all kinds of deadlines. It's not about just accepting that it is what it is and doing everything or accepting your, your boss who might be really uh, <laughs> uh, nasty or not really a good manager and gives you a lot of stress. And it's not about accepting this and this and this, but it's accepting the experience you have in the moment and see what's most helpful for you. Because you can feel uh, a certain way about it and if you notice, then you can choose how you want to act. If you don't, then you probably react in a way you always do, and uh, which probably came from uh, from the past where you learn to act a certain way, what's usually called working on the automatic pilot. Um, you're not really aware of what's happening, but you just keep going and going and going. And uh, mindfulness gives you the time to stop and see how. Oh, here I am, and this is what I feel. What do I need now? So very, very important for people with, who have the tendency to uh, work uh, too much and go very much over their limits and uh, not recognizing boundaries of their, which uh, the body, uh, the signals of their body, and with stress, it can uh, can go all the way into a burnout if you don't uh, notice that you're getting uh, tired, getting uh, even more stressed and more stressed till the point where it stops. But if you stop yourself and notice, oh, this is happening now, you can take action. And take action, of course. And uh, well, the, the thing is, um, well, it happened actually to me <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that you don't recognize the signs that you are stressed, but you're actually very stressed. And this is already being months, maybe even years, uh, until the moment that it's too late and your body just decides to stop you uh, from being stressed. Uh, so th th this is very interesting, of course. And and um, well, tell me also about the um, we were talking the last time on the phone about the the what happens and the story we 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 make out of it. Can you explain us when you know you have a problem and then you you have that moment you have some pain but then you have a, a big story that you make in your mind and it stays there for maybe weeks or years or whatever yeah 
Yeah, well, what usually happens if we experience a kind of suffering or pain, it can be me mental suffering or a physical uh, suffering like uh, pain or ache or uh, negative thoughts, we, we pretty immediately uh, tend to give meaning to it. And what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my future? What's, what does this mean in general? And uh, what, what do I need? And that, that kind of makes the, the, the problem bigger than it is because it started with, with uh, pain or mental pain. And then it became something more because in, in your thoughts, uh, you, you, you added some kind of meaning uh, to your, for yourself and for your future. And usually you also add like some resistance to it because if it's a negative thing, you usually don't want to feel pain, of course, that's natural because it's unpleasant. But with this meaning, uh, oh, it means that I'm not doing right or I'm not okay. Then you also have this resistance. Oh, I, I don't want this. And then it, 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 uh, it grows even more. And sometimes even uh, the sense of urgency comes where uh, you really feel like, oh, I really want to get rid of it now. And then the stress becomes really, really big. And it started with just pain maybe, or just a thought or a feeling, a difficult feeling. And that's, that's, that's painful, of course, but it's usually part of life. We all experience pain and we all experience uh, negative uh, thoughts, uh, difficult feelings. But then the whole thing that goes around it, the, the thinking around about it, the um the resisting the i don't want this and the urgency I, I have to get rid of it now really makes it much much bigger than it started with and mindfulness uh well it doesn't really uh, changes too much but it makes you aware of this this uh that this happens and in this way you start to notice well it's 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 the pain that's there and I'm adding the rest and then it's easier to let go of, oh yeah, this, this is what I add myself. And um, maybe I can just stay with this pain now. And that's in, in, in the practice of mindfulness meditation. We also practice just to notice discomfort in, in, in sitting or just going towards, oh, this is what it is. This is what I feel without, oh, this means I can't sit or this, this means uh, I'm doing it wrong. I can't do it or uh, I should learn something else or I'm really terrible. Um, that's the meaning which comes with feeling this, this, this discomfort. But if we can just stay with the discomfort without having uh, thoughts about it, just noticing, oh, this is discomfort, then the stress and the suffering is much, much less. It's just pain. And well, usually pain goes away after some certain time or it's there, but it's, it's manageable. Uh, with the people with chronic pain, yeah, the pain didn't go away, but they learned to live with it because they didn't um, went into the story of the meaning of the resisting of, of the urgency to get rid of it, but with just staying with the sensation and the experience, it's became manageable. Like, oh, okay, yeah. if it's just that, I can live with that. I read yesterday um, somewhere something I, I found it was really uh, amazing. It was something like. Um, the fact that your thoughts your thoughts exist doesn't mean that they are right that they are yeah. true <laughs> and then i thought oh i've never thought about that that way of course they exist a lot of thoughts exist but many of them can be very wrong they're, they're maybe not even true mm -hmm. mm, so i thought okay well i'm going to write that down <laughs> <Good> <laughs> yeah. One, yeah 
And uh, well, let's see, let, let's talk about when it all becomes so much that you get a depression. So how does mindfulness help people with, uh, how do mindfulness help people with uh, depression? Yeah, um, it, it's, I think mindfulness helps most by, for the, um, uh, uh, the reoccurrence of depression. If you're in a depression and you're really depressed, uh, especially with uh, severe clinical depression, then uh, it's probably very difficult to practice mindfulness. It's, it's better to see a, a therapist um, and maybe, well, even, even medication might, might be necessary with a very severe uh, depression. But uh, when you recover it, um, it is really good to practice mindfulness, to do uh, especially the, the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which is also an eight-week program, which more towards uh, uh, depression, but it helps, uh, it, re it prevents relapse into uh, depression because if you, depressions often start with, with one thought and uh, like a, a thought, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough. And then with that thought, uh, more thoughts come and the feel a feeling comes and it goes and then you start thinking about it and it's more and more and more, it becomes really big and dark and, uh, and, and your, your whole body is reacting to it. Uh, it's even like a stress reaction and a lot of cortisol uh, involved in it as well. And then you can slip into uh, a second or a third depression, which uh, often uh, happens. But when you practice mindfulness, you notice this first thought and you notice it as especially what you said, oh, this is a thought, this is not true, the truth. This is not, uh, it's, it's just a thought and thoughts uh, just pass by, they come and go. So I can notice a thought without really going into it, without um, giving it too much attention, just notice it, oh yeah, I notice the thought and this is, is a negative thought. I don't have to finish this thought, I don't have to, uh, fight this thought. It just is something which comes and it goes. I don't choose it and I can't uh, not have it because it's just there. That's how our thoughts work. And by instead of going into the head, what uh, happens a lot, like more thinking, you can bring yourself in this moment uh, and just notice yourself like sitting on your chair or standing and just walking and just feeling, oh, where am I now? What do I feel now? And with this change from the head to the body, um, you can prevent yourself from thinking, overthinking and going into this negative spiral of thinking, which might end up into a depression. Wow. And it really, uh, well, also they did a lot of research on that and it, it really helps by preventing, uh, uh, yeah, the relapse into uh, depression. All right. So, um, and well, let's talk about um, meditation and mindfulness, because yeah. some people don't even know what the difference is. But can you explain the the the, the connection, the relation between mindfulness and meditation? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of uh, um, different kinds of meditations. Um, even if. Uh, concentration meditation, you have um, um, inside meditation, you have um, mantra meditation, you have uh, meditation from different kind of uh, like the, the, 
yoga has also meditation. Uh, there are different, uh, many, many, many forms of uh, meditation and mindfulness meditation is just one uh, uh, form of meditation, which is uh, a form of insight meditation. Uh, you practice to be uh, aware of your experience in the moment while you're having this experience. Um, and um, which is different from other kinds of meditation where you try to focus on one thing and just bring your awareness back and back and back and just focus, focus, focus. Uh, with mindfulness, you just it's more like you're aware of, oh, there's a thought, oh, there's a sound. Oh, this is this is what I notice in my body. Oh, this is the reaction to that. And then, of course, you have this anchor point of your, for example, your breath. To uh, so you you focus, refocus again, and then you notice again. Now, oh, what's happening now? What's happening now? So, mindfulness is um, uh, well. It, it is uh, the way of um, experience. Uh, the moment is like active um, uh, way of being in the moment without judging, without trying to change anything. And meditation is the way to cultivate the quality of mindfulness uh, you can cultivate in yourself because mindfulness is not really a thing. It's more like something you, you well, you, uh, you, you not really do it, but uh, it's, it's something you do uh, and, and without, uh, and the mindfulness meditation is the way you uh, practice this quality in yourself. So the ability to be present in the moment without judging, without striving, um, that's this ability uh, is most easily trained in, in meditation because when you close your eyes and you bring your awareness inward, then you notice a lot of you know, the processes that are going on there. And these um, are the processes which uh, teach us mindfulness. If the moment you uh, feel a slight pain, then automatically something happens there because sometimes you try to, it's a thought, oh, I don't want this. And then you, uh, the, the, the action of trying to get rid of it and, with mindfulness, you just observe this and you see, oh, no, I noticed what happens. And now, it, it, and now stress comes up and then, and then you let go. You go back to your breath, for example. And then you notice a, a sound and then a thought about the sound comes up and maybe irritation and you say, oh, no, I noticed this, ah, suffering again and, and back. And all the time in the, the mindfulness meditation, you just notice what's happening in this moment. And then without really trying to achieve anything, it's because the moment is already there in the full, uh, uh, the full presence and without changing it as well, because, oh, it's okay as it is. That's the practice, just being with uh, your experience. And well, you don't have to change anything uh, because your experience is also already, already there. And so it's in this meditation, you're more kind of, uh, unlearning, then you're learning new things. You're unlearning yeah, the things we learned in school. Uh, uh, try to, uh, to get these results, uh, do your best, um, um, relax or um, get better. Or you really have to um, master this uh, because you're already training for like three weeks. Now you, you can still can do it. And with <laughs> mindfulness, we unlearn this kind of thinking, this, this approach, and we learn a new approach, which is being and not doing. And with being, you're just 
yeah, there with whatever comes. And this can be really nice, really a lot of uh, peacefulness or uh, ease and, and, and relaxation. And it can also be a lot of irritation and a lot of restlessness and, and pain in the body. And whatever is there, it, it's your experience in that moment. And you uh, train yourself to be present with that experience. It would be really wonderful if they could uh, teach this at school, don't you think? Yes, yes, definitely. And then they're doing this more and more. That's, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, it's getting slowly, but uh, at schools they are teaching it. Uh, but I know in the United States, uh, it's even bigger now. Uh, mindful kids and uh, uh, I think even for the high school, uh, uh, they, they have this uh, mindfulness programs and more and more they're incorporating it into uh, into schools as well. Mm. Yeah, 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 I heard that they were also uh, experimenting. Well, it's not really experiment. They're really doing it with <clears throat> giving in, instead of giving a timeout, children just have to go and meditate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure there's so, some schools uh, do it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually nice there. I know there are some nice documentaries about it. Uh, uh, I think a couple of years ago, I saw a nice one where they really are teaching children to first uh, experience their uh, what, what's happening, the feelings they have, and then just notice uh, you have to take a little bit of time and, and then you react. Uh, and then if they get angry at each other before they fight, they first feel oh, what's happening now and then, okay, what do you want to, what, how do you want to go further from this? And then children became really kind and, and really uh, open to her experience and, and it, was, uh, it was really nice to see. And, yeah. yeah, and tell us about compassion because you are also a trainer in compassion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that most of the people, uh, well, at least in, in the Western society, think about compassion by petting a dog that's on the street or things like this, you know, mm. or giving some money to someone, a homeless person. but. I think it would be very nice if you talk about compassion because you were saying you were talking about the self-talk eh? that we are sometimes so really very hard to ourselves mm -hmm. without noticing and yeah. that the moment you learn more about compassion that you can apply it to yourself that that changes a lot so can you tell us a bit more about that Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, I think the the, the practice of uh, self-compassion is really wonderful because it's it kind of goes together with mindfulness. If you uh, look at self-compassion, it's uh, it, it starts with mindfulness because uh, the moment when we are uh, suffering, um, we experience uh, difficult emotion or pain. Um, we need mindfulness to be aware of it, to stay with it. And then from there, this point, we can uh, start giving ourselves self-compassion or giving ourselves compassion for it because uh, and, and that's what, uh, if you see, if you think of self-compassion, it, it's being kind to you at the moment you're suffering and being kind because you're suffering. And it means that instead of uh, um, being harsh to yourself, oh, you did it again, oh, you, you can't, uh, now you're again in pain or you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself, go uh, on, get on with your life. Uh, uh, then instead of that, you say, oh, yeah, well, this is a moment of uh, yeah, of pain. This is hard. Uh, and then 
um, just by saying this, like like you would say to a good friend or uh, or, or a child who has uh, the same kind of problem, you, you don't say, "Oh, you're stupid. Uh, why do why did, why did you experience it again?" Uh, but you say, "Oh, well, yeah, this 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 is hard. Uh, what what do you need right now? How can I help you?" Um, that's what compassion towards others is, and you can uh, give this compassion to yourself as well. But we tend to forget or tend to not know this kind, this kind of part of ourselves or the compassionate part. And usually the our critical part or inner critic is much stronger, uh, which tries to push our, ourselves and, and, and punish ourselves for doing things uh, or for, for the suffering we experience. So when something goes wrong, uh, instead of saying, oh, this is, this, this is not nice for you. Uh, so uh, what do we need right now? Just I'm here for you. Yeah, we, we tend to say, oh, you're so stupid because you're doing this wrong. And well, this gives a lot of stress, of course, and being more compassionate towards ourselves, like being our, our own uh, supportive friends, that really helps um, to deal with difficulties in life and, and uh, reduces stress a lot. It makes makes life lots of nicer as well. If you can be nice to ourselves, then well, it's it kind of motivates to do a lot of things and helps us to to uh, um, also notice uh, about our boundaries and uh, notice the signals from our body. But oh, this is hard. I, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should take care of myself. What what do I need right now? Yeah, but but we, but we learn the hard way, they say, yeah, we learn the hard way. And I, I also think that especially when it comes to children, I mean, I've heard that, uh, I'm not really practicing that, but that, mm -hmm. pe that parents say, but I have to, <clears throat> you know, especially for men, they have to be hard, you know, this society is hard, this world is very harsh, and yeah. we cannot send weak children to the, to the war, let's say. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm yeah. amazed about that, but it happens, you know. Definitely, yeah. And there's a big misconception that uh, self-compassion is something soft and uh, weak, uh, and that this inner critic is strong and keeps you uh, keeps you going. Because um, there's a nice, really TED talk as well from Kirsten Neff, who did a lot of research on uh, um, uh, self-compassion and. Um, how do you say, um, self-confidence and how those relate. And uh, we're thought a lot of being self-confident is really important because then you can you, you try to do a lot of things. You're motivated and you, you dare to do a lot of things. But uh, self-confidence only works toward at the point where things really do work. When things go uh, different and, uh, and fail, then uh, self-confidence kind of backfires. And with self-compassion, it motivates as well, does the same thing, but when things fail, then you're still there for yourself. So you can continue and you can learn from mistakes and you uh, can grow and go further. And that's why uh, self-compassion is it's much stronger than uh, self-confidence. And that's uh, something which in, in the recent years is, is more and more getting crowned as well. Uh, Kirsten Neff and Christopher Germer, the, uh, they have developed uh, the mindful, uh, mindful self-compassion uh, training. And Kirsten Neff is a researcher. She did a lot of research on self-compassion and um, they also, yeah, 
did a lot of research on the misconceptions like oh yeah when you're when you're compassionate for yourself you become like this soft blob and you don't do anything you just sit on your couch and being nice to yourself but it, it turns out that it doesn't work like that you, you become even more uh, strong because well you you can undertake a lot of uh, risks uh, because when it goes wrong you don't beat yourself up so the risk is much less uh, to try out new things, experiment and uh, going for trying things. And even on the way you're there and you can notice when things are difficult and you can uh, say when you have to step back a little bit and uh, take care of yourself in a healthy way. Yeah. So I think um, usually when, when people um, speak about yeah, what helped them in a mindfulness course as well is um they the feedback is that oh yeah i became so much kinder towards myself that helped me so much and that's even in the mindfulness training not so much in the not even in the, the uh, in the self-compassion training it's even more there because that's really focused on on self-compassion but even in the mindfulness training where we just train to be with ourselves and be with our, ex our experience in the moment with a gentle and kind way without judging without striving too much doing our best or being something else or someone else um, also this uh, quality of kindness and uh, uh, and, and compassion uh, arises and that's what people take away from uh, the, the mindfulness meditation as well yeah but i think that's what you were just take t telling us about on learning all this stuff we got in yeah. our unconscious mind since we were very young which is not mm -hmm. really very easy to take away. But I mean, yeah. if you can be uh, acknowledge this, I guess that's already uh, almost winning the war. And tell me, the I think people would like to know what happens when they have um, a if they follow a mindfulness uh, training. Mm. Tell us about some cases, uh, you know, like uh, life experiences that you say, well, I would like to share this with you. And uh, we don't necessarily need the names, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. but it would be nice to hear about examples. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's um, well, the eight week uh, training is, is like two and a half hours a week in a group and then daily practice. And uh, we practice like uh, half an hour to over 45 minutes in a meditation so really long meditations as well so it's it's really pretty hard uh, I always uh, I, I usually say it's like a pressure cooker because you only have eight weeks and you you kind of want to develop this quality of mindfulness which well you, you need a lot of practice uh, and and you need because then you have a lot of experience and then uh, the process starts so it's 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 uh, intense, uh, it takes a, a lot of time. So that's in the beginning, there's a, usually a lot of resisting uh, against the experience. Uh, you lay down for 45 minutes and after like 20 minutes, your back starts hurting and then, oh, I can't do this. And all these thoughts come up. So you can start us to notice what happens when uh, difficulties arise. And then during these weeks, you uh, become much, much um, easier with yourself. You notice that Oh, I try to concentrate and my mind wanders all the time. And then uh, we learn that it's okay. The mind wanders. It, it's okay. You just notice it and you come back. And again and again, you, you notice just a thousand times because the mind wanders even more and then you just come back. And sometimes you're away for minutes and then you come back. And without feeling bad at that moment. And that's something we learn just to notice. Oh yeah, my mind works like this. That's okay. I can always come back and start again. And that's and in some way that this this um, 
this notion helps just to let go of excessive thinking, uh, ruminating. And the first thing I hear from people, hear from people is that um, they sleep better. People with sleeping problems, they notice, oh, I sleep much better when I first do a med the mindfulness meditation. And then kind of my mind uh, gets uh, yeah, uh, more at ease. And I'm, uh, I don't have to fight all the thoughts anymore. They just pass by and then I go to sleep and then oh, I fall asleep. And one experience from uh, a participant was that um, he, he didn't tell me so much in the uh, before we started, but halfway he said well, that he, for almost all his life, he was like hyperventilating. And during, uh, I think the third or the fourth week, he noticed he wasn't anymore. And he just, he, he didn't know why or what he did, but it, it was just, he was, uh, it, it was gone. And I, and I was so much relaxed and uh, I didn't have this constant uh, stress uh, in his body. And uh, without trying, he was just doing the meditations and not trying to get rid of hyperventilating or breathing differently or trying to get rid of his stress. He was just noticing what was happening and just coming back and then just noticing and not getting annoyed, but just ah, going back. And when he was annoyed, he just noticed, oh yeah, there's uh, irritation and then back again. And just practicing this uh, day in, day out for, uh, I think it was like three or maybe four weeks. And then he said, well, it's really different now. And I don't know why. And that's, that's, uh, that happens a lot of people who really practice they start noticing these differences and they can't really pinpoint why because the we don't try to achieve anything in a meditation we just meditate for a meditation and to to cultivate this this awareness and then life starts to change mm -hmm. and yeah and sometimes people no, don't notice it themselves so much i think i also, I also teach at the university as with, with students uh, and they have usually kind of uh, funny feedback and, and one of them said yeah my, my boyfriend said, uh, told me that i, I couldn't stop with mindfulness yeah. he was so happy i was practicing that, uh, but she really didn't know what was different uh, for herself so, but her boyfriend noticed so she was kind of happy as well and she enjoyed it so that was good so the, her personality changed. In yeah, I, think, I don't know. She 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 couldn't really pinpoint what it was, but uh, yeah, uh, something changed. Yeah. Or maybe she was practicing more silence. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> uh, but then yeah, of course, if you're just more aware of your uh, of yourself, you you probably are more aware of like this automatic response you can give. Maybe if you're tends to be like a bit irritated sometimes uh, when you're tired and you start noticing this, you're still tired, but you don't have to get this irritation from it. And then those kind of things change. We don't change like, uh, for example, in work, we don't change work, but we change how we are in work and how we deal with it in the moment. That's, um, and, uh, and still, yeah, we can be tired or we can be yeah, restless, but, you can just relax in this restlessness. So oh, it's just there and notice my, my body wants to move, but I can still sit here and just notice that it's happen that's happening in this moment. And what do I need now? Maybe I should go for a run and then, uh, well, that's might be a healthy thing to do instead of um, going, uh, looking at, uh, at YouTube and uh, scrolling on the internet because I feel so restless. Um, that's something that happens when we, 
we don't know uh, what's going on, then we start to find something to kind of uh, numb this feeling. And when you are aware of the feeling, you can give space to this feeling and say, oh, well, this is what I feel, what do I need now? You usually don't choose to um, uh, binge watch Netflix series or uh, go uh, look at Facebook for, for an hour or two. You usually go uh, take a shower or go for a run or uh, do a meditation or something which uh, helps you in the long run. And, but you only can choose this if you take time to stop. And that's, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Christian, well, well, tell us about well, the training you are giving, your work. What are yeah. you um, doing right now with, uh, with your training? Um, on, at this moment, uh, I have an online uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction uh, uh, training. So I have a group of people I teach uh, this eight-week course online, uh, like two and a half, uh, two and a half hours uh, every Monday evening, and then they practice themselves, and we go through like different teams, different meditations we practice uh, together, and then they go home and have this kind of homework. Uh, it's not really, uh, it shouldn't feel like homework, but they have their own practice during the week, and then they come back next week and we discuss experiences. So that's one part of my work. And I also have my own uh, practice as a, as a counselor and a coach. So I also coach mostly people who uh, suffer from stress uh, and burnout. Uh, and I, I help them uh, to recover, to, to stop the, the, the things that give them stress and to get into, a, at first, especially with burnout first, into a, a daily rhythm of more uh, relaxation, more rest uh, and uh, cutting on activities and just getting the balance between what well, is an activity that I need uh, a moment of rest and this, uh, then again I can do something which more active and then I need some uh, thing, you know, a pleasant thing, uh, recovery. So the, um, you can have your, um, um, your work things or uh, things you do which uh, might be uh, give you a kind of uh, workload and after everything which has some pressure you need to relax and I really teach people in that and I guide people towards uh, more, uh, to being more aware of how their energy balance goes. When, when should they stop? And uh, instead of going, uh, starting with, with work and just stop, uh, stopping only at the end of the day, they to stop many times a day and take, take breaks and uh, notice how they are at the moment. Do I need a longer break? It's also the mindfulness really fits in there. And, and then usually, uh, when people get their energy more back, you can you usually take quite a long time. You, you probably know uh, that. Um, then conceive on what what's what started it at first. What what's, uh, what things in your mind in your personality maybe, or what kind of uh, routines uh, you have of uh, that made that, that you didn't stop before and, and you didn't notice that you were going uh, past every boundary and just kept going going till you uh, you, you got this, uh, this uh, burnout and usually it's something inside like um, um, a feeling or uh, a thought about something uh, people are convinced they, they need to do something like this is perfect uh, everything has to be perfect or i can't let people down or those kind of conviction convictions are the things which um kind of 
uh, made people uh, go into uh, into the burnout in a long time. So trying to do everything perfect for a long, long time. At some point, something uh, will go wrong because you can do everything perfect. And working for for ten hours a day for like five years or or uh, might be okay, but then uh, you might buy a house and you have the stress of buying a house and then together. It, it's something uh, you don't have your your uh, recovery anymore and you you wake up tired and then you start working 10 hours then you have your house and then it, it goes into this negative uh, spiral and then it usually ends up uh, with uh, with a burnout or uh, stress related complaints and and then uh, people come to me and say oh I, I really don't know how to uh, get out of it and well the first thing is to rearrange uh, your day and just see oh, where can I get uh, recovery and what still do I still have to do and depending how, how bad it is um, you need more recovery and uh, less activity sometimes it's just uh, two times ten minutes of walking uh, outside is, is enough and then the rest is just recovery and uh, uh, sleeping a lot and uh, doing maybe some um, relaxation exercises and stuff like that and just noticing uh, the body and stopping stop doing I think yeah uh, finding the break that's the most important thing I usually have to, to, to break uh, a lot people want to go oh, I want to I want to get better I have a burnout so I, I want to do this course and this course and, I and want what to, do I have to do <laughs> yeah what can I do now and I said, oh no, take a holiday from the doing. You really should stop now. And then, yeah. We, what I notice a lot is that uh, people come really in a hyper uh, uh, state at my office and uh, in, my, in my practice. And then um, when they stop and they notice, oh yeah, I can't go further like this, then they, they stop doing, they take more recovery time and then they get really, really tired. So after three weeks, they come back to me and say, I think it's not working because I feel horrible. I, I, I'm so tired. And then I say, yeah, that, that's good. That's good. Um, just just uh, go with it and then they'll get better. And from there we can start because if somebody is in this hyper state, uh, yeah, it's just waiting till somebody gets tired and then you can, uh, you can uh, recover. But the recovery starts usually from this point where you feel really, really tired and you really need to sleep and don't want to do and you just let go of uh, trying. Yeah, well, this is the point where the cortisol disappears and then you you cannot come out of your bed anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, and it is a really hard, difficult point, uh, of course, because it feels horrible that you're so tired and then it doesn't work anymore. But it usually is, is the turning point. And that's, uh, so I always say, oh, yeah, that's, that's well, uh, what might happen. And, and if it happens, that's a good thing. Because uh, because then you can start recovery and you start can start changing your life as well because you, you don't want to go back to uh, how you were before your burnout because that person got a burnout and you don't want to get another burnout. So, yeah, it happens want... many times. Yeah, the first, yeah. the second, the third. Yeah. So for what I noticed is that well, uh, with with the good guidance you don't get a 
second or third uh, burnout. It's, uh, because you don't have to. If you become aware of the signals and you you know and uh, you, you know why and you see you notice yourself and mindfulness really helps with that. Uh, stopping a lot of times, noticing oh how I'm going, oh I'm running again, oh, maybe I should slow down a little bit. Oh, uh, I, I feel this, I feel that. Uh, maybe what do I need now? And so many times, small moments of being aware of where you are and uh, what you do, usually going out of the head into the body, noticing your, um, um, your feet on the ground is just a really good practice. Just during the day, many times, just notice your feet on the ground and take a deep breath and then, ah, oh, yeah, I'm here and now. And how do I go from here? That's, uh, I think that's, that's really, a simple practice for everybody to do many, yeah. many, many times. Just check in with yourself, just noticing what's happening, what's 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 going on with me now. What do I feel? And do I feel my body? If you're not feeling your body, then it's time to stop. And um, so, when someone comes to you and says, "Well, I need a, a coaching, and I can't afford the one-to-one coaching." Uh, how how long does it take for someone to? Uh, is it also eight weeks, or it can can it be uh, longer or shorter? Um, it's usually longer, um, but it's uh, at the beginning. I see people uh, um, once a week, maybe for the first three four weeks, and then usually once every two weeks, and then uh, even more. And depending on where you are, if you have like a full-blown burnout uh, and you're you can't even get out of bed or you can't do your groceries or even uh, think uh, what to do in a day then it takes much longer of course than when you're in this hyper state and uh, you really want to to, uh, to get better but you can't work anymore you can't concentrate or it's difficult to read things then uh, you're at a different point than when you're in bed and uh, it's all too much so for some, it's like two years, but uh, others can be six months. And uh, but usually, I think from in the first six weeks, a lot of things change, uh, especially if uh, people get out of the hyper state and really um, uh, find uh, the time to, to step back and, if, if possible, really feel being tired because usually the stress compensates from being tired. And when the stress goes away, you notice, oh, yes, I'm tired. And, and then in six weeks, you see that the, the things are really changing because um, the energy starts building up. And then, but then you're not there yet. You just have to start building up uh, slowly because if you go, oh, yeah, six weeks, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. I go back to work. Then you, after a few weeks, you probably will be back uh, where you started. <laughs> uh, and that's what many people also do as well. They, they take a holiday, they take out oh, two weeks uh, recovery, and then I can go again. And, Usually that's uh, it doesn't work. So from there, I think usually it's like six months. Uh, I think often like 10, 16 sessions for, uh, 16 is really long, but 10 sessions is pretty normal. And with just some uh, stress complaints and sometimes five, five sessions is enough just to get some some changes in the daily life, some changing in work and just giving more priority for recovery, more priority for going for walks and don't eat your lunch behind your desk and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes that's enough to prevent 
like everyone else, but when, when the whole recovery process usually takes about some time longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, important for all, also for employee employers, you know, to know that is not going to be, uh, there's no shortcut. <laughs> no, there's not. No. <laughs> there's no crash course. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, it would be nice if there was a pill and we could just pop the pill and then uh, we're better again. But no, it really is like changing uh, the way you, you, you deal with well, the whole life, I think. Uh, and because it's, it's not, it's never only work, it's, it's usually private things in uh, private life as well. It's, it's the balance and uh, you have to balance them all. And, that's uh, sometimes difficult because especially with young people, they, they want a lot. They want a career and they, they really want to go up really fast and they want to have a family and a social life. And that's, um, they say the millennial problem is uh, that there's so much. You have to have 110% of your social life. You have 110% of sports and uh, sports and then and, and fitness and you have 110% of work and then 110% of uh, family life and well if it adds up it's, it's yeah you don't have so much percent so that's uh, yeah yeah you can and, fit it in yeah, yeah and then you still have yourself what about yeah. that <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely so yeah then one day you discover you're also a person <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, I think, the, 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 especially the self-compassion uh, really helps to notice, oh, yeah, I'm there. And oh, I feel, oh, it's, it's actually quite hard as, uh, being a, a millennial at this moment because everything with it, from Facebook and, and, and things which are all the pressure from all directions. And well, if, if you don't notice it and just try to keep up, then, then it, it, it gets harder and harder. But if you practice self-compassion, you can notice, oh yeah, wow, all this pressure, it's, it's really hard. What, uh, that is, what do I need now? And then, well, maybe I should uh, take a step back and maybe I shouldn't, it's not necessary to do everything 110% because I'm, I'm here and this, this is how it is. And, and then you notice that you're not alone because then, oh yeah, we all do this and we all experience this. It's the, the common humanity and the practice is uh, really important. Yes, right, right. Well, Christian, this has been a lovely, interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I, it feels like we could go on for a couple of hours more. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I think we are going to do it again because we we have this this common part in sports, and I am very interested in it. I mean, I, I rediscovered running actually when I started meditating. Ah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that I was like why did I did, didn't I do this before? <laughs> I run oh. more than more than 20 years, 25 years, I thought more even yeah. anyway. And, um, and I thought, now that I can meditate and run and you know, all these experiences, and I feel like, wow, I am so we both have to have another podcast. This yeah. it's for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And you're never too late. So that's nice. You can experience this now. Yeah. yeah great. Great. Indeed. And uh, of course, then we have to share it to the audience eh, that they can also experience themselves. Oh yeah. Uh, Christian. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down also your website. Uh, because you give coaching one-on-ones, you have a, a group. Um, of course, uh, you can also give uh, coaching in English because as you know, many people that listen to my podcast are uh, native speakers in English. Yes. Um, but well, they can find you. 
yeah, yeah. My, my website's in Dutch still. I still have to put uh, an English uh, version of it, but uh, I, I do uh, coach uh, and counsel in, in English, uh, even online. So uh, different distance shouldn't be a problem, but uh, yeah, they can find me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great, Christian. I really want to thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It was really, uh, really nice talking to you like this way. And uh, I always enjoy uh, these kinds of conversations. So. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. See you soon.